Hey, welcome back to the show, everybody. Um, start a little late because our guest had to make it from his own show. So it was quite an honor that he was able to he's gonna do back-to-back shows with us. We have author and show host Don Jeffries with us tonight. And I'm gonna talk about his book, Crimes and Cover-Ups in American Politics. This one is everybody, everybody knows the JFK assassin, you know, the grassy knoll. You, you know about this back in World War II. I myself came from an area where I, I was pretty prevalent about the internment camps of Japanese Americans where they're there. So this, um, this has to do with FDR. And so growing up in this area, you know, I, I firsthand experienced that part. But there's stuff that goes back even further, you know, back to prior to the, the founding of this nation that, you know, to this to this modern day. And so one of the things like with this book, uh, I was really excited to le- learn about this. And so when going through this, we're going to co- cover some ones that you, you may know pretty well. You may actually not know about it at all. But either, either way, Don Jeffries is next. Welcome to the Three Beards Podcast. My name's Craig, along with Austin and Chris. Passed to a new generation of Americans born in this century. Let me out. And Chris, how are you, sir? We're on here. I'm doing wonderful, sir. There you are. That was, a, that was an interesting fade in. What was that? Was that was like, it was kind of goes from, you know, we'll just get stopped there. I said it goes from black to, you know, your, your business. <laughs> I, was texting, I was texting you for the code for StreamYard, but hey. Yeah, anyway, I'm so, here. yeah, he's here. So then we're going to bring on, and we Mark Eddy is joining us as well. You know, welcome back, Mark. How, how are you, sir? Oh, do- Doing well. Glad to be here. And, you know, bring you in for that, you know, stuff. So, and then at this time, you know, Don Jeffries, how are you, sir? Fine. Thanks for having me on. And give your, give your show a plug since you, 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 you broke free of it just to come here. So give your show a plug. Uh, well, I, I have two shows. The show I just uh, did was the, the Donald Jeffrey show. It's airs every Wednesdays on Ocelli.com live. And uh, Jeff Rents, who I appear every Monday on his network uh, for, you know, for years, he, rebroadcast it four times a week uh it's it's on a bunch of radio stations too but i none of them air it live i'm pretty sure they probably you know have it on at three in the morning or whatever whatever their smallest demographic hour is and so uh, if you're driving around at three in the morning you might hear a rerun of it uh, and, uh so we just had an on-air birthday party for john barber is one of my 
best friends, a host of real people back in back in the day that I went showing television in 1980 and the JFK assassination guy, he and I become great friends. So we had a, a really cool time. I got his son to call in his sister. I got uh, some celebrities like Mike Farrell of MASH and uh, Shelly Fabres, his wife, calling in. Oh, so wow. it, was, it was really cool. Hmm. On the off chance that one of them's watching, I doubt it. Hey, happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like, you know, so, but hey, uh, self-deprecating humor, you know, who doesn't like yeah. that? No, it's, you can also find you on substack.com. Um, it's forward slash yes. profile. Um, here, it's a little bit here. 215-0057-Donald Jeffries. Or you can also find you at Keeping It Unreal. The well, the, 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 the easy – I've short, uh, short the URL for those now. Substack is donaldjeffries.media, and uh, the blog is donaldjeffries.news. And I'm going to have a website soon, which everything is going to be under donaldjeffries.media, and Toby okay, Arbor, nice. who produced, yeah, he's he's setting it all up, so we'll have uh, everything in one place. Awesome, and so we we had you on to talk about you know this this book. This one published in twenty, um, it was twenty nineteen, mm-hmm. I believe. Crimes, crimes, and cover ups in American politics. Um, I'm just going to start it off with just just kind of a, an over generalized question here. So when you set out to do this book. Um, what was your original goal when you first when you first put pen to paper on this? If you well, used pen yeah, to paper, yeah, I've done that for a long time. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> thank God for a computer word processing. But um, no, I it's basically a prequel. I, I wanted to call it Hidden History too, the prequel, but for some reason my publisher didn't like that, so changed it a bit. But it's basically Hidden History to the prequel, and my my bestseller is still the original Hidden History. Because I started Hidden History from the JFK assassination up to the present day, which at that time was the Obama years. So, um, and a lot of people reminded me that you know, it didn't all begin with the JFK assassination, and it didn't. So uh, I said, well, I'm going to roll it back. You know, conspiracies and corruption are as old as history, but we'll, we'll, we'll start for our purposes. And this is basically American history. We'll start at the founding of the Republic. So I started there and uh, you know, went from there basically up until right before the JFK assassination. It just covered a a lot of material, you know, maybe not as much as in hidden history because I went probably more in depth on Lincoln and things like that. But uh, I just, mm-hmm. I think we're always being lied to. And history is written by the victors. And I think when people read it, they realize, you know, that uh, you've been lied to about everything. And uh, certainly the gatekeepers of the past, I call them the court historians. They literally, uh, these narratives, none, I mean, maybe they've told the truth about something. I don't know. I haven't found it if they have. But everything I've investigated. Uh, is is you know is 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 turned out to be uh, completely contrary to what the, uh, the I, consensus from the court. I agree. Stories. I mean, I would say Exhibit A is the Vatican. Look at the archives down there. But you yeah. know, just mounds of d- documents that haven't even been arch. I mean, all this knowledge that's just sitting right. down there. I mean, you want to talk about the epitome of a gatekeeper that's not allowing anybody access to the information. You know, that's it's right there. Smithsonian would be a next one. You know, they've, right. they're basically that end of Indiana Jones and the Lost Ark. I mean, that's pretty much the Smithsonian. They've just got all this stuff that they've just locked away and just, you know, we don't even know. We can go, you know, we can go on for a whole show on that, you know, on that subject. But <laughs> right. the follow-up to that for me was, so out of like the research you're doing for the, for these books, what surprised you the most? That you, that when you found, like you weren't expecting this, like when, you know, you pulled that thread and all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, you know, and that, that became a passion. Like I loved writing about this. 
Well, I mean, I, I, I love her. I, I don't know how to write about things I'm not interested in. Like I, you know, I couldn't, I, I would do a very poor job writing a book about math or something. I mean, I just, I, you know, I have to be interested in things. So, I mean, I, I, I love history. I, I just, I've always been a history buff, especially American history. And I would say, you know, lots of things surprise me, but sometimes, you know, I learn things as I'm researching. And uh, one thing I did learn when I was writing about the uh, World War One era, and uh, I was talking about the World War One protesters like Eugene Debs that were thrown in prison. Uh, you know, they challenged that. They went to the Supreme Court and figured the Supreme Court and said, you know, you can't do this. It's our right to, you know, this is very relevant to today because, you know, they, they were challenging, uh, you know, what do you mean? They, they, we, we have our First Amendment rights here. You know, we have a right to peaceably assemble, mm -hmm. uh, to protest this, and that's what they were doing. And Woodrow Wilson and the government said no, and they threw him in jail. And uh, they went to the Supreme Court, the great liberal, and you, you'll notice in a lot of my work, I, I don't have much love for people they call liberal because they're usually the antithesis of liberal. Oliver Wendell Holmes has a great reputation as a liberal and he's not a liberal. And he, uh, he wrote the decision on this. And basically, I didn't know that that's where the expression, you can't go fire in a crowded theater came from. I didn't know that. So this was circa 1918-ish. Oh, awesome. Yeah, circa 1918. So keep in mind, this is, you know, these were people that were protesting uh, the war. So Oliver Wendell Holmes, great jurist, fantastic liberal, eugenicist like they all are, virtually all these but mm -hmm. they, uh, yeah. every one of them, and they, he he writes in there. Well, you know, you you hit free speech, but you don't have the right to fire in a crowded theater. And as I pointed out many times, however you look at it, Eugene Debs and the other people protesting World War One were not yelling fire in a crowded theater. So what did that tell Americans? It put a giant asterisk on free speech, and it also used a, a, not even flawed, uh, just a ridiculous analogy that has, I mean, protesting war has nothing to do with yelling fire in a crowded theater. But that's where that came from. And ever since then, the idiots out there, and they are idiots because they don't know history, will parrot that phrase, you can't go fire in a crowded theater. Well, do you know where that comes from? And nobody, I didn't know until I wrote this book. Nobody knows yep. where it comes from. It, it makes no sense. And it's very important today because you, you you still have people, I argue about free speech all the time, so I'm a free speech purist. And, uh, you know, people say, well, you know, the, you, uh, free speech doesn't cover hate speech. First of all, what is hate speech? Who determines what hate speech is? You? You know, who's, and, and you know, because hate is a human emotion. We all have, we all hate things, and it's also in the eye of the beholder. So once you put that caveat on it, you're restricting free speech again. But again, go back to 1918, they already, they put the big asterisk on it then when they said you can't yell fire in a crowded theater. So if protesting war is yelling fire in a crowded theater, they could literally claim anything was yelling fire in a crowded theater. Yeah. And back then, right then, wasn't it still the classic definition of liberal? Because most people have it as leftist. Back then, yeah. the actual definition of liberal was libertarian. Which, you know, well, like what I profess to be, whereas like they were actually, it wasn't so yeah. much that they were leftist in thought, that they were more actually, like you said, the actual part of the freedoms. Right. You know, well, the definition, yeah. I think the classical definition of liberal is, uh, you know, someone who is, uh, is a do-gooder. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. I, I consider myself, I'm a populist, but I'm a classical liberal too. And uh, I, I still consider myself a do-gooder. I see wrong, and I, I want to do something about it. I want to protest it or try to expose it. And uh, that's what liberals, going back to, you know, Thomas Jefferson, I think the classic liberal in America, but, you know, he also said that governance, government is the best which governs least. So it's very libertarian type of thought. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, liberals believed in civil liberty, 
you know, that's, I was a card carrying member of the ACLU as a teenager back when it used to care about civil liberties. Now they, they don't care at all about civil liberties <laughs> not at all, even though they're called the American civil liberties union. And uh, so I, I'm constantly stressing free speech. That's what liberals should do. But liberals today don't believe in free speech. I've not encountered one who does. They literally, if they disagree with somebody, they don't think you should be able to say. If, if it offends yeah. them, they don't want you to say it. And yep. you can't have free speech like that because it, it means nothing. We all agree. With, you know, we all support the right of anybody to say something that we agree with. I mean, that's nothing, right? But, but if you, it takes you know a certain type of person. Say, you know, as, as Patrick Henry did, you know, one of my favorite founding fathers, and I may not agree with what you say, but I'll defend to my dying day your right to say it. Exactly. So that's what I that's what I try to do all the time. But nobody, you know, I know I'm going against the grain because uh it just free speech is just it's not very popular anymore. The the right right now is supporting it because they're the ones that are being hammered on social media and stuff. But I think if they were in power. It would revert back to the way it was when I was a teenager, where the right was the one censoring books and wanting to, you know, uh, not have certain movies out. They were the censors in those days. So I think it's whoever has the power. And right now, the left has a firm grip on the culture, so oh, yeah. they're controlling that. But if I think if the right did gain, I think you would see them banning things as well. Well, I t I've talked to Chris, you know, many times. I'm like, you know, when it comes to like speech. I don't think anybody should be censored because it's one of those, if somebody wants to be a racist, if somebody wants to do these things, let them speak because then you know who not to hang around with. Right. You know, it's, oh, it, yep. You, yep. yeah, it's just, and that's, yeah. that's the easiest way. It's like, let people speak. And especially like the, everybody's freaking out about Twitter right now. It's one <laughs> of those things. I'm the biggest thing is if you don't like Donald Trump, scroll. You know, That's just right. scroll through it. You don't have to sit here and read it. You can just keep scrolling. You can hit block. You know, just yeah. because you have you have the right to say something doesn't mean everybody has to read it. Block, and, you know, and, and then again, you don't have to again, see the, it. The, yeah, and again, the roles have changed so completely. When I was a young kid, this is what uh, the argument of the left was. The left that I gravitated to was, well, you know, you don't have to watch it. You don't have to, if you don't like the nudity or whatever, you don't have to watch it. And the right... So it was intense that it was on the air. Now it's the, the things have completely flipped, but it's the same mindset where, you know, because Donald Trump's stupid tweets are irritating them or whatever, some kind of thing like that irritates them. They don't want it there and, and it triggers them. I mean, they're, they're all upset because, uh, you know, some of these people that were banned from Twitter may be coming back. It's like, you know, again, you, you don't want, why don't you, I would have more respect for them if they just came out and said, you know, we don't believe in free speech. No, you can't have free speech because yep. that's what they're saying. But they're acting like is you know they they you know as long as I so you can say if it's a transgender type of thing or whatever you can say the most ridiculous impossible thing imaginable and they support it because it's you know it's part of that agenda. But if you say something you know sensible like well no only men can, only women can have babies then. <laughs> You're canceled. I mean, it's oh, yeah. it's it, it's I, crazy. I always go to the Monty Python who was way behind, you know, ahead of their yes, time yes, in yes, Life yes. of Brian when they have that whole scene where he wants to be known as Loretta, and they you know <laughs> and they go through that whole thing. It's like you know, where's the fetus going to adjust it? You got to keep it in a pot. I mean, this thing was not. This was you know decades prior to it, even yeah. this coming about. I'm like, God, they were what they called that to a T. <laughs> Yeah, and John John Cleese is is one of the few people that are 
in the entertainment world is intense about political correct because again you couldn't mm-hmm. and Monty Python was Monty Python was great and uh, people George Carlin people like that if they were around today they literally could that's why you don't have any comedy anymore they couldn't do their act anymore because uh, you know comedy is uh, the best comedy pokes fun at sacred cows and and it points out the truths that everybody knows but is afraid to say. Real, real comedy. The best comedy is politically incorrect. That's what we laugh at. I mean, anybody can get up and say something, you know, that's Sunday school. It's just that's not funny, typically. But you can't do that anymore. I mean, how many? So these, these. I actually feel sorry for these comedians because I mean, how many jokes can you continue continue to talk about Donald Trump? Because literally, that's their only target for humor now. It's like yeah. okay, I mean, at, at some point you reach a saturation point. Can we talk about some of these? Other crazy people around here that are actually in power now, but no, they can't do it. It, it Don, since you were just talking about the people in power uh, are going to control the culture, you know, what's said. When people read your crimes and cover-ups, you... Show us that we aren't learning from history, and you do a, a really terrific job of demonstrating what we were just talking about when you uh, basically do a comparison between President Lincoln and President Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Right. Uh, uh, could, could you give us a, uh, you know, a, a few similarities in, you know, that uh, what seventy-year uh, period uh, between yeah. their presidencies? Sure. Uh, and we could probably tie some aspects uh, that both of them were uh, fact checkers, and how that applies to today. Right. right. Exactly. No, you're right. And Lincoln, so many of these awful precedents we see, if you want to know why we're in the position we're in, uh, the primary reason is because uh, the North won the Civil War. Yeah, that's, that's not an unpopular thing to say, but, you know, the, the American Revolution was fought on for the, the primary purpose behind the American Revolution, the War for Independence, was to that people everywhere had had a right to consent to those who govern the consent of the governed. They used to teach you that in school. Well, they can't teach it anymore because Abraham Lincoln and, and the federal government at the time, they shattered that concept forever because it doesn't matter. Like people that tell me about Putin or anybody else, it doesn't matter whether they're good guys, bad guys, whatever you want to call. The, the southern states at that point, when they seceded from the union, they no longer consented, clearly. And Lincoln decided, well, you know, I'm going to push a war that's going to kill almost a million people. And show you mm-hmm. that you have to consent that this vol- this is not a voluntary union. So, the entire purpose of our founding was lost after that. So we became an entirely different. You can you, there are two early eras of American history: 1776 to 1860, and then 1860 to now. Uh, it, it was completely transformed. And when the Southern states lost that, and they had Reconstruction, so many bad things came out of that era. I mean, you, you talk about you know the entire. Uh, <clears throat> Race relations struggles came out, as Ron Paulus pointed out, by a hundred years of, of 
of awful race relations was built out of Reconstruction, which came out of the Civil War because they they uh, that's where the Ku Klux Klan was born. That's where Jim Crow laws was born. All the things you hear still talking about now. It came mm-hmm. because of that war and because almost a million people died and the bitterness it still felt and the way it was fought. And I go into that a lot. But uh, so there were so many awful precedents set by Lincoln. First and foremost, just to draw a parallel to what we saw first in Wilson and then Roosevelt, and even now, is that uh, Lincoln suspended the writ of habeas corpus and he threw, still don't know how many thousands of Northerners he threw into prison. And literally, it's a parallel to what you see now with the January 6th prison political prisoners, because uh, we don't really know what they're in for either. And they might as well suspend the writ of habeas corpus there because they've been in prison for over a year. They've been denied due process. Some of them claim to have been beaten and, and kept in solitary confinement, all for what, if they're crimes at all, or misdemeanors. This is mindless tyranny. And there's nobody talking. There's no one on the left where I was. No, the ACLU, nobody on the left. There's not a single civil libertarian that cares. I think a lot of them want them executed. But that mindset began with Lincoln. Lincoln said, I can put you in prison because you're criticizing my policies. That's what he did. He was arresting people in church. He was arresting people and grabbing them out of the bed. His troops would come in and grab them out of the bed in the middle of the night. I have all, it's all in the book. I give lots of examples there. Wilson, Woodrow Wilson built on that when he started imprisoning World War I in real prisons. And as I said, you saw the Supreme Court justified that by saying you can't go fire in a crowded theater. FDR builds on that and uh, throws, and, you know, I, I point out many times, not only were Japanese Americans uh, put in internment camps, but were German Americans, and so were Italian Americans. They never mm-hmm. got any reparations. And uh, I'm writing, right now I'm writing, I'm almost done, Hidden History 3, more from the American memory hole. So I'm continuing this stuff, and it's a, it's a never-ending process, but I found out more about that. And uh, not only did they throw them in internment camps, they stole their property, they stole their homes. And they stole their businesses. Estimated that the German Americans alone had billions of dollars worth of businesses that the American government stole. And they, when they were released from the internment camps, they never got their homes and businesses back. They don't tell you that in the history books. Oh no, it's like yeah, the, got, uh, yeah it's like yeah. I tease that with the Japanese. You know, where I grew up in yeah. Ontario, Oregon, there's an internment camp in Nyssa, Oregon. Yeah. And so when I was growing up. The town was, there's the railroad tracks. The west side was pretty much, a, a lot was mostly white. On the east side of the tracks was the was the Mexican laborer, you know, groups that were working in the onion facilities. And then all around it was Japanese onion farmers. There's even a Buddhist temple in this town of 10,000 people. There's a Buddhist temple here. And there's so much Japanese, and that's where kind of like as, when they were released, they're like, well, here, just take some farmland and um, yeah, we're sorry, grow onions. And that was kind of, yeah. you know, that's, they're kind of make, make a life that way where, well, some of these people, you know, like I said, were shipped out from California, you know, and yeah. brought these things in this, this wasn't where they were from. And so, but yet they still made a life of it. It's just, but yeah, it's, it's well, one of those things. A lot of people don't realize just, just what the U S no. government does. And then that's when you but see it, these other things, they're like, yeah. Oh, there's no way the government would do that. Do you well, not know and, history? And, and, yeah, and, and, like, and this is this is why we're at where we're at today because all these things happened, and the people at the time didn't protest. There should have been, you know, hundreds of thousands of Americans in the streets uh, uh, outside the Supreme Court when they said you can't go fire in a crowded theater over World War One protesters. I mean, that's insane. That makes mm-hmm. no sense at all. They just they just basically abridged the First Amendment. 
And uh, then when radio was invented, and then television, movie industry, they never extended and they what they should have done. That's the only time they should have done some tweak the, the Bill of Rights a little bit because the founding fathers didn't foresee these kinds of inventions. But they needed to have uh, put a caveat in, and not a caveat, but an, you know, an addendum in there and say, no, that this, you know, this protection is extended to any technology that comes down the road. So that would be radio, television, movies, internet. They didn't do that. And so that's why you see the battles over censorship on the internet is because they cannot stand that they can't get their hands on the internet or they're, now they're starting to they have for the last few years, but for a long time they couldn't, they couldn't put the FCC, the FCC controls radio, controls television, and the Hayes code and uh, movies for a long time. And even if you don't, the people that own Hollywood effectively, you're not, I mean, you have the CIA and the military both that are advisors many of the have script approval for anything that has anything to do. So you're not going to get very many in Oliver Stone types, but not very many independent movies about anything significant. So effectively that's an FCT there. So the internet was the last ba battleground. And that's why you're seeing the social media giants banning people. And that's why the fear over Elon Musk is so important now because you know, this is, it doesn't even matter. I mean, Elon Musk, I don't think Elon Musk is some kind of a populist hero. He's got a dubious background too, but, he's saying the right things and if he really yeah. does stop banning people on twitter that's a good thing i've got the arguments about the well elon i said look how could he possibly make twitter worse impossible yeah. what could he do yeah so i mean yes. so regardless he's yeah i mean yeah so he's if he if he lets everybody say what they want with you know then uh, that's a good thing isn't it so i mean i don't care what regardless of anything else what else he's doing i mean yeah, uh, you take your you take your victories where you can. If somebody does like Joe Biden, yeah, I never thought I'd say, but Joe Biden pardoned Abraham Bolton yesterday, which is amazing. He was the first Black Secret Service agent, and he's the only one that told the truth about the JFK assassination. And they framed him and sent him to jail a long time ago. He's been out. Yes, yeah, I didn't know. I didn't hear about that. Yeah, wow, yeah. Awesome. I, well, yeah, yeah, I didn't hear yeah. yeah I, I, well, they didn't. Uh, again, they don't. They don't report these things, but. I was shocked because, and I, I, was, I was saying right the day before we were arguing about something about Elon Musk, and I said, look, some of the worst people do some good things. Barack Obama, when he left office, he commuted the rest of Bradley, then Bradley Manning sentence because he was 70, then he was sentenced to 75 years in prison for revealing what our troops are doing. It was horrible. But, you know, so he did a good thing. I don't know why he did a good thing, and I don't know why Biden did something good, but Anything that's, I applaud anything good that's done, every little thing. It's what Robert F. Kennedy said, my, one of my favorite speeches, the tiny ripples of hope. Little tiny mm -hmm. ripples of hope. You send forth wherever you, so, uh, you know, you cheer, you applaud because we don't get too many victories. So no. whenever a victory happens, good good for Abraham Bolton. It came very late, but, you know, hey, that's, that's great. Back to the yelling fire in a crowded movie theater, you know, if, once you, once me and Greg often talk, talk about this a lot, once you give up one free one liberty, they follow. They see how much they can tug on that. Okay, well, yeah. they, they, they got a transgender bathroom now, let's just say. Now we'll right. see what else we can do. Now we'll see what else we can do. Until right. the, the final straw breaks the camel's back, and then everybody wants to stand up and protest. It's too late for all that. You've got to start doing that as the things progress instead of letting right. let them take another one here, let them take another one here. And then it's like, okay, it's too late. Now we have none. That's right, and that's and that's why it, it was so important. If, if because they let that happen, because they they let uh, the Supreme Court say you can't yell fire in a crowded theater, and 
nobody at the time protested. Or if they did, I don't know who they were. It wasn't much of a protest. And then you, you because of that, then you are, are allowed to further curtail streets. So you, you fast forward 40 years, 50 years, and they invent this thing called hate speech. Because again, and people don't fight it. What do you mean? In fact, I see the right say because they're trying to get like blacks or somebody, whatever. They're trying to get them for hate speech. I said, no, no, this concept is ridiculous. You, when you say hate speech, just because you can get somebody maybe back, it's wrong. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, I, I remember I defended uh, one of uh, you know Louis Farrakhan's aides who hates white people. There's no question about it. I love Farrakhan. Malik Shabazz. Yeah, 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 I think so. He, he. Well, he, he was he made this incredible. Uh, I hate speech. every iota of a cracker. Yeah, yeah, and he, he wanted to go. He said I wanted to dig up dig up whites in the in the in the uh, in the graveyard and do all that. Say, but yeah, of course it was horrible stuff. But again, he wasn't actually doing that. So I defended the time, saying, "Well, you know, he's got a right to say it as objectionable as it is." And people just jumped all over me. Said, "You can't put restrictions on it." And that's it. so when you do when you say hate speech and you open up a whole can of worms, it's not free, hate speech is incompatible with free speech. And now they've made it a kinder and gentler term. They're using more more than hate speech now. They're using more often misinformation or disinformation. Again, it's the same concept. What who who decides what's what's misinformation? And that's why you had the fact checkers and all this stuff. It's all part of the same thought process that you're thinking, and it's all really. I wish they'd come out. I'd respect them more if they just called it what it is: thought crime. Because yeah. we're talking about thought crime, and that's all it is. You're guilty of thought crime. And our fact checkers have determined that you're guilty of thought crime. They won't do that. So they keep com- coming up new misinformation, disinformation. It's, and it's the same arguments. Free speech doesn't cover misinformation. What, what, you have a right to be, even if it's wrong, you have a right to be wrong. But do you, you know, notice, you're going to. <laughs> but with that, with all that said, you, do you notice that fact checkers only check the narrative agenda that they have? Because, yes. like, I posted the. I, I test Facebook. I test other platforms. Let's just say, quote unquote, like you post. That's why you're a, in jail all the time. I stay in jail, but, <laughs> but you post. I posted the thing about don't the don't say gay bill. Okay, yeah. it doesn't say that. They should have fact checked that and said, yeah. hey, it nowhere in that um, memorandum, reprimandum, or whatever to the state that bill does it say right. don't say gay. But no, right. if I'd have posted that, it said something else. They'd be like, oh, we deem this to not to be accurate, and now right. you're in Facebook jail for 30 days, so we're going to hide yeah. you. I'm like, no, yeah. come on. <laughs> All right, it's, it's one-sided, and that's, and that's, and that's again, the, uh, the agenda is so obvious, and it's it's not necessarily left and right, but it's it's a narrative. It's the, uh, so that's why sometimes um, misinformation and disinformation is coupled with conspiracy theorists. You know, people call me a conspiracy theorist, and I... I tell them all the time, look, I'm not theorizing at all. If you can find a theory in anything I write about, tell me what it is. Like when I'm pointing out something about the yelling fire in a crowded theater, it's a historical fact. I'm trying to educate you on how it came into being. That's not a theory. No. Now, maybe maybe it's a theory to say that, you know, well, no, it's not. It's not really a theory because obviously it's a bad thing. And you can see how history moves. And that's why history is so important, how one thing leads to another. So if, you know, Lincoln locking up people without, without, uh, Warrant without without the the habeas corpus suspended without due process leads directly to what we saw in World War One, World War Two with the internment camps, uh, all the way to Guantanamo Bay, the way the prisoners were treated at Guantanamo Bay. In fact, Guantanamo Bay and Abu Ghraib, uh, you had George W. Bush's uh, one of his lawyers 
you to Abraham Lincoln cited him as a precedent for the way they were treated there. So you can say, and of course, right till today, when you had the prisoners, the January 6th prisoners, and I'm surprised. And I think that's what would happen if you had any ACLU type, any civil libertarian attorneys, and you don't have any. You have people like me that don't have the platform. But you have nobody that has a big platform that's arguing this. If they did, and they could argue, then you would have, uh, I guarantee you, the government's defense would be like George W. Bush's lawyer. They would cite Abraham Lincoln as a president. They would say, well, look, you know, they, and they're actually using the term insurrection was a term that Lincoln used to, uh, to demonize the, uh, the, the Confederates. So they could say, well, they're just like the Confederates, you know. Maybe, maybe they'll claim their own slaves. I don't know. But this is an insurrection. It's the same thing. And uh, so they use those kind of terms. And again, the other side doesn't fight back. And they, they, they accept too much of it. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's very sad that people don't, but most Americans are historically illiterate. So, you know, it's amazing. I sell the number of history books I do because, I mean, unfortunately, there are, there's a minority that's interested in it, but most Americans couldn't care less. They don't, they don't, they don't know their history. So that's why it's, it's hard to point out the, uh, the fake history. How what the lies, if you don't even know what the, if, if you're trying to, first of all, you have to explain to them what the fake history is, because they literally don't even know what the actual, you know, the establishment narrative is. So you have to, you have to point that out first and then deconstruct it and show how it's a lie. It's not easy to do because you're dealing with largely uneducated people. And uh, that's why we're in the mess we're in. I mean, people are just, they don't know their history. They don't understand the rights they should have. So, you know, they basically have allowed this woke authoritarian mob to shout down any concerns about free speech. Because if you just bring up our founding, they just scream, you know, slavery. That's all they say. It's, it's the only issue there. Well, they own slaves, it's, except for Alexander Hamilton. You know, you wonder why he's a hip black artist on uh, Broadway. Well, read, you know, read his history. He was, he was the, the banker's favorite founding father. He was the father of debt. Uh, really, he, if he was alive today, he'd be in the CFR and uh, he'd be going to, uh, you know, Bohemian Grove in the summer and, and, and uh, the Bilderberg meetings. Uh, he was that kind of guy. And mm -hmm. that's why they love him. They hate all the others, but they love that guy. Why? Why is he? He's a dead white male, too. But he loved he was a banker's boy. He was and he was he was right on to the, the agenda even then. Yeah, let's let's let's. Assume all the state's debt to the, to the federal government. He built the mess we have. He was one of the main people because his side won. Even then, his side, he convinced George Washington and a lot of other people. And the Jefferson side uh, mm -hmm. didn't, didn't unfortunately, it's a big battle for a while. But then, of course, ultimately after, once once Abraham Lincoln was elected, it was all over. And since then, we've just been, we've been treading water, basically. But, you know, Don, you do uh, bring up that, Jackson, uh, President Jackson was uh, opposed to the uh, that banking system. So, yeah, the, you, know, you, you know, you throughout crimes and cover-ups, you are chronicling that idea over a sixty-year period. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Jackson. And, you know, Jackson, and that's what I say, but, you know, you take the good where you find it. Because Jackson, he's in many ways, he's a heroic figure to me. He had a lot of populists in him. You know, I, I you got to love the way he had the, the, the common riffraff. He allowed the public to wander into the uh, executive mansion after he's elected. You know, they, they 
mud all over the carpets and tore down things and broke a bunch of vases and things. So he, he was criticized, but you know, as a populist, I love that he let the common people in on the celebration, and he was he was the biggest foe the bankers had outside of uh, Jefferson, and he also was the, was the last person that I know of. Jefferson was the fiercest critic of the Supreme Court because people understand the 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 checks and balances. The only thing that made the Constitution palatable, really, really the Articles of Confederation was much better from a liberty standpoint. But mm -hmm. and, and a lot of a lot of the best people, including. Patrick Henry said, "I smelled. He smelled the rat. He would even go to the convention because he knew it was going to consolidate power. But it was made palatable, and really, it became a great document because of the checks and balances, the three separate and equal branches of government, and of course, the Bill of Rights. Which, without the Bill of Rights, it's it's you know, it's something that I would couldn't support either. But the uh, early on, under John Marshall, considered a great hero, of course, he usurped power." And he's the one who decided he came up with the concept of judicial review, which is not in the Constitution. It's not. And Jefferson was arguing right from the beginning. You can't do that. This is not your function. His side won. And from the from the time of Marshall, the judiciary branch was usurped the power and they were much more uh, powerful, especially than the legislative branch. And then when Lincoln was elected, he became the first imperial president. And of course, the executive became way too powerful. So you had two of the three branches completely out of whack because the legislative branch has always been the weakest. And those, you have to choose any of the three to be responsive to the people. The legislative branch is the most responsible because you can theoretically overturn all of them every two years in, 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 in the House and representatives anyhow. But they allowed these other two branches to usurp their authority. But Jackson also, like Jefferson, ranted against the power of judicial review, argued with the Supreme Court of his day. But Jackson, by being a foe of the bankers, he was personally, he was a genuine racist, especially towards Indians. I mean, he did, he did said and did some bad Indians, veil of the trail of tears and all that. And he loved war a little bit too, for my, too much for my taste, uh, you know, and uh, as, as someone who's always for peace. But again, you take, you take what's the good with the bad. And, Jackson was uh, the last really foe, certainly in the White House. We haven't had, uh, he was the last man in the White House that could be considered a foe of the bankers, unless you want to include John F. Kennedy, who was apparently behind the scenes was, was, was battling with the Federal Reserve like he was battling with everyone. Yeah, that's, you know, that was one of the, one of the things to do. Yeah, for me, I'm not a huge fan of Jackson, just, um, mainly because of his going, taking us from divine providence to manifest destiny. And just, you know, the rounding up of the native tribes, you know, was just, it, like I said, that's, I mean, you take, go from being the war hero to the stuff to the end of your legacy as you're known as basically the mass murderer yeah. of the, the, the tribal, you know, the tribal lands. And so it's, yeah, it's, he's, he definitely, you can find b b people on both sides of his camp. It's, yeah. You like for me, I mean, I don't know about you like through your research, but one of the worst presidents we've ever had is Woodrow Wilson. Yeah, absolutely. And he, he's and Wilson, he's, uh, I'll have more about him in Hidden History 3. I have a real great, I have three researchers that I'll shout out to them like I was Chris Grays, Peter Tsikosh, Bob Wilson. These guys have provided me with so much material for this book, especially. And uh, I got a lot of great stuff on Woodrow Wilson through them. And uh, so I'll have a lot more on that. And, uh, Talk a little bit more about the Bolshevik Revolution, and you know, I'm indebted to you know 
Professor Anthony Sutton wrote a great book called Wall Street and the, and the Vulture Revolution. But it's just it's startling to realize again what what lies the Americans were, what the American government was perpetrating even back then because you had at the same time you had the Palmer raids under Attorney General Palmer under Wilson who were rounding up uh, Reds you know the, the commies of the day and Reds and anarchists in America at the same time all of these officials and all and uh, the big time bankers and corporate leaders. They were so they were so supportive of the Bolshevik Revolution. It's just astonishing. You had one of these guys. They, some of them were there on the ground, like you know, leading troops. So cap, big capitalism was financing Bolshevism. And even then, so again, this is this has been the way it's been ever since, as far back as you go. You know, Vladimir Lenin, who was you know one of the leaders of the Bolshevik Revolution. He defined so many things. Probably one of his expressions was the best way to lead the uh, best way to uh, control the opposition is to lead it. And we see, you know, again, he's that started at that time. And we see today when you look at something like the January 6th event, I mean, how many how many FBI and undercover government informants were there? Uh, the, 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 plot, the alleged plot to uh, kidnap Governor Whitmer of Michigan. You just saw they, they mm -hmm. actually were, were a, a jury of shockingly intelligent jury. You don't find too many of them. Uh, rare victory in court uh, said, no, this is, this is obviously an FBI sting. And so that, that kind of mindset that, that Lenin talked about, the uh, intelligence agencies, the American government have taken to heart and they've been doing it. I mean, they, in hidden history, I wrote extensively about all the, uh, the operatives that were in the uh, black, black Panthers and the KKK I mean, both sides. And uh, you know, most people don't know, for instance, that, uh, Fred Hampton, you know, the uh, the Black Panthers murdered by Chicago police that his uh, his uh, personal bodyguard was an undercover agent. Malcolm X, another guy assassinated, his personal bodyguard was an undercover agent. Martin Luther King, if you see that uh, picture of him on the balcony of Lorraine Mortel after he was shot, the guy cradling his head, iconic photo in his head, was an undercover CIA agent. He's still alive, I think. Uh, so there's, wow. you know, it goes back forever. Again, people, this is hidden. That's why I call it hidden history. People don't know yep. it. And usually they, you know, that kind of stuff usually gets their attention. I mean, maybe makes them think for a second, but you gotta, you gotta hit them, you know, with a bunch of facts in a row and hope you may, maybe you get a little spark there because otherwise, well, we'll make everybody's you know, you eyes might lose them. Yeah, well, make everybody's eyes <laughs> yeah. roll in the back of the head. Like Wilson. Yeah. One of the things, like for me, a lot of people don't understand the Seventeenth Amendment was an actual power grab. Everybody thinks, you know, it's, it brought the power, you know, the Senate, it was about the senators. Well, right. nobody understood, you know, it's really hard to, you know, we, the people lost so much when that went into effect because the senators used to be beholden to the governors. The governors were the ones, they were like a mini president. You know, this, me and Chris are here in the state of Florida. So this, the governor of Florida would be like the president of Florida and he would appoint two senators to the national government to at that point they would be they were beholden to the actual state of florida they were to do th business of the florida the congress is the one that does the business of the people senate was the business of the states house representatives was the business of the people and by doing the 17th amendment through wilson he took that from being a state power and he basically hampered the states and took that power and brought it into the federal government right. and this is one of the things and a lot of people don't realize 
and this is one of the, you know, and it actually, whether you call it a crime or a cover-up, it was actually a crime for us as a voter because it actually stole part of our ability to control what's going on in Washington. Right. And, and it's, you know, it's, it was a, uh, and that's, you know, the, the, on the surface, people think, oh, well, it's a, you know, it's a reform. You know, we get to vote directly for our senators and not through our, you know, our state uh, legislature. But the you're right; it did diminish further the power of the states. But again, it goes back to Lincoln. You know, most people don't realize before the Civil War, when the civil, the, when the United States was referred to, it was referred to as a plural. So they would say the United States are. After the Civil War and forever after us, now it's the United States is it's singular, and we went from a loose confederation, and that that's, the Confederates took their their you know, terminology from the Article of Confederation. It's supposed to be a confederacy, a loose confederacy, confederation of uh, uh, that was you know come together in a common purpose, but by no means were were you know going for a life like it was impossible to divorce yourself from this. I mean it's. The idea that and that's why Lincoln's argument was so absurd, because it was this this you know the, we have to keep the union together. Well, you know, it contradicts the entire reason we became an independent nation. Yep. We, we we seceded from the British from British rule. The colonies seceded from Great Britain. That was secession. But you can't make people, and the reason you can't make people believe it is because of slavery. Slavery is, slavery kills any discussion of the founding. They had slaves. That's it. That's all they care about. And then the same thing with the Civil War. Well, they had slaves. It was about slavery. Well, no. I mean, I go back and I, I, I show, first of all, if you, if you judge by today's standards, there probably was I may, maybe 0.1% of 1% of all white people alive that weren't racist in the 60s. I mean, by our standards today. This is what the way yeah, it yeah. was. And slavery existed all over the world. It, nobody else had to fight a war where you lost a million people to end it, if they were fighting for it. And Regardless, I think the southern the southerners were fighting for way more things that were more important to them than slavery. But the North was not looking to to they weren't fighting to abolish slavery. In fact, when Lincoln, uh, you know, a couple years into the war, just for crass political purposes, and he was a pragmatic politician, he would do things for, and he admitted it uh, that when he decided to uh, pass the Emancipation Proclamation, which was worthless. All it did was free the states, free the slaves in the southern states over which he had no power at that point. Didn't free any slaves in the north. His own secretary of state said, this is ridiculous. We free slaves where we have no power and we leave them enslaved where we have power. So it was a joke of a proposition. But uh, Lincoln, and Lincoln did it. If you look at his first message to Congress, I think he mentioned slavery four times message and if you look at how he talked about it, he said I don't I don't think I have any power to stop slavery where it exists and I don't intend to and he also said I would save the union by freeing all the slaves freeing no slaves or freeing some of the slaves clearly this was not but he decided for public relations purpose he wanted to get the rest of the world on his side because slavery was being eliminated all over the world that time. and uh, he decided to turn this convert this into a cause for slavery and then a few years after that, towards the end of the war, he really got desperate, and he decided, although the evidence is that Lincoln was probably an atheist, I write a lot about this in Crimes and Cover-Up, uh, they erased a lot of history, but he certainly wasn't any kind of devout Christian, uh, he decided to try to convert this into a religious crusade and basically blame the conflict on God, that this was God's will, and they wanted it. So, I mean, the guy was just, he was all over the place. 
is his, I, I have quotes from him from the Lincoln Douglas debates that would make the uh, Grand Wizard of the, of the Imperial Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan blush. I mean, the, but again, they weren't that, all that unique for that day and age. But he was not, you know, the way he's portrayed now is he was this kind of incredibly enlightened guy that, uh, that, that, that was, it was so upset about slavery and it's simply not true. You know, he, we, Lincoln and I'm writing about Hidden History 3. Uh, Lincoln was known to defend uh, owners of slaves under the Runaway Slave Act. Lincoln defended them, the owners of slaves many times in court. He never defended any slaves. And uh, so this is, this, he was a corporate lawyer. He always, his defense, his clients were always rich and powerful. You know, my hero is Huey Long. And Huey Long was famous for saying that he never would take a case against a poor man. I think it could be fairly said that Abraham Lincoln never took a case for his entire legal career. Hmm. Wow. I, I, had, I, I, I had no I, idea about that either. I think... Mark Dice's videos show that his uh, contestants have not read Dawn's books. And I think Dawn's information it, is just very powerful, insightful. Uh, they're captive. His books are captivating reads. Well, thank but, you. Yeah, That's they really it. should be, uh, you know, discussed in high school. And you know, like you said at the beginning of the show, you know, calling um, the people that kind of like uh, have approval. Yeah, like okay, we'll say you know Lincoln was a good president, but someone else. Uh, you know, let's just put him over, you know, just arbitrarily put him, you know, uh, President Tyler, we'll, we'll kind of put him over here and we'll occasionally mention him, but you know, we just aren't going to talk about him very much. Uh, you, you, you do go through many of the you know, major presidents uh, just you know, giving them significant uh passages passages about you know what we really don't know about this person uh, you know, the way they handled something is a little over uh rated or you know it's been uh biasly covered um you know uh, uh you know my uh just 12 minute show that I did last night uh <laughs> You know, I I uh, really did. I I really do like uh, President McKinley. I just uh, for a number of reasons, but um, uh, one is you know just because he's somewhat local. He lives near Joey. Um, but you know, my guest. Did, did say, you know, he's really underrated, but, uh, and, and probably a lot of people don't know a whole lot about him. But, you know, you, you do bring out those profiles and give us the good and bad about 
the choices they had to make during their uh, uh, term or terms? Yeah, well, McKinley, McKinley uh, <clears throat> was one of those presidents who was assassinated, and he had a very aggressive, warmongering vice president. Teddy Roosevelt is, uh, you know, another one of these guys who you, you want to look for some racists. They call Jefferson, Jefferson racists, and they can't find a racist remark really in his record. But uh, look at some of the things Teddy Roosevelt said. I mean, about everybody. I mean, my guy, the guy was, I mean, you know, but he's considered a progressive. And uh, the reason he's considered, the reason they like him, you'll find that most of the high-ranked presidents are war presidents, war-mongering presidents. Right. Roosevelt, mm -hmm. I'll give him, I'll give him, I'll give him credit. He walked a walk. He actually, you know, wanted he wanted to lead the troops in battle himself. So I'll give him, I'll give him a little bit of credit. That's a little bit better than, uh, than uh, you know, these chicken hawks. But he still, he was an imperialist. And again, Lincoln was the first imperial president, but Lincoln's imperialism didn't go beyond our shores. Uh, Roosevelt tried to build on that, and we saw, you know, if you look at what happened, I'll talk about that in history three, the, the atrocities that American troops committed in the, Phil in the Philippines. It's just unbelievable what they did to, you know, to the population there. I'll have a lot of that in the next book. Uh, same thing in Haiti, you know, under Woodrow Wilson. You're talking about Woodrow Wilson. He, he uh, you know, in Mexico and Haiti, invented Mexico. I think he invaded Mexico eight times. As president and uh, he went into Haiti. Uh, same kind of you know the uh, barbarities that you saw in uh, the Philippines, and they were built on what we saw under Lincoln's troops when they, especially General Sherman, who was a genuine psychopath, and uh, the they basically uh, invented the concept of scorched earth total war policy. And ever since then, American military has never looked back. So when you see you see these things that are unreported, like the Philippines, Haiti. Um, and then I, in crimes and cover-ups in this book, you can look, I certainly compiled a lengthy list of atrocities committed by the allied troops, you know, from bombing Dresden, which is a city that had no military value at all. I think they killed 39,000 toddlers when they did that. So you talk about, a, you know, is that a war crime? I don't know. And in fact, at Nuremberg, a uh, German defendant, they, they, their, most of their defense was built on all these atrocities that I covered. They're basically saying, you guys did the exact same thing. And uh, they had a point. And even some of the Americans admitted, you know, if we had lost the war, you know, they'd be talking about our war crimes. But these, these are all, they're all built on the strategy of scorched earth, total war, so that when then Bradley Manning under Julian Assange, when uh, he releases through WikiLeaks, these horrific photos of, uh, you know, Americans in Iraq and Afghanistan targeting civilians and laughing like it's a video game, killing a bunch of civilians, doing things like that. Um, while, you know, of course, and of course, what, what happens? They're imprisoned for releasing it. They're not celebrated as heroes, which is because we don't celebrate whistleblowers. We punish them. Again, the people in charge are criminals, so they don't want their crimes exposed. So, uh, but it was it really no different than what the Northern troops did to the South when they were going through the South and they were burning property. They were stealing. They had a, they had a, a whole theft. They had a massive theft ring going on where they were stealing property. And I, I documented it in my book where the, uh, the union lieutenant that co complains about how much general uh, cut German general Sherman is taking. Yeah. Like Sherman, Sherman just marching through, just torching everything as they went through. Yeah, torching everything, stealing everything, and raping. You talk about you want you want to know where you know they they usually blame a lot of the uh, 
uh, they claim that the plantation masters, uh, you know, uh, raped so many of the slave women. Well, maybe that happened, but we do know it's well documented that in German Germans marched to the south. The northern troops were notorious for raping the slave women. Now I don't know why they picked the slave women necessarily. So they, they don't. I think they raped white women too, but not as much. Uh, maybe I don't know. Maybe it was some kind of you know chivalry or something. I don't know what they were thinking, but they definitely targeted the, the black women. And uh, so you want to go? I th I think that that I'd probably say easy target is you know it was well, an easier yeah, target you know for the I think so yeah but there's the, there's they they did so many horrific things they did not uh, in fact they burned bridges when the slaves tried to join them because they thought you know hey they're freeing us you know no they weren't freeing us and they, and uh, they would actually burn bridges to stop them from following them again this is all documented mostly from wow. southern records because again history is written by the victors so you're reading the accounts of the victors here but if you read some of the things the losers wrote uh, it's Pretty heartbreaking to read, but again, those those stories it explains why we see today, why we see the kinds of things you saw in Iraq and Afghanistan. No, because it's this they're the descendants of those people, and that's been American military policy since then. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they actually instruct them in doing this, but you know, you you have to have be a special kind of depraved to to think that rape is part of the spoils of war. I, and I just, that's not, it's not civilized. But, and again, the South, and I, again, I have one on the record, Robert E. Lee and all these people, they were mortified at what the North was doing and they would instruct their own troops, you're not supposed to do this. You know, yeah, we're, we're, and, we're, you know Don, you said in New Orleans, it, it was, uh, that kind of treatment of people was actually legalized? Well, yeah, you had, uh, you had General, uh, I mean, uh, yeah, it was Benjamin Beast Butler. His uh, his general order, notoriously, he basically said that all the women of New Orleans were to be treated as uh, as prostitutes. But basically, legalized rape. And again, this was during his reign of terror. There, yeah, there's there's they had nothing against the rape of women, and uh, it it happened repeatedly. They know it did. And again, I talked about in crimes and cover-ups. I talked about the Allied troops, all the women they raped in Germany and Japan. It was an epidemic there. They know it. But again, we're, you know, nobody wants to hear that about their uncle or whatever. I'm not saying they did it, but I'm sorry. This is documented. This is what they did. Mm -hmm. It was nothing, it was nothing to be proud of. No, that's, that's just it. It's, you know, a lot of people look at it. It's like a lot of things in history. It's like, it was not pretty. I mean, you don't, you know, you don't, when you find out about it, it's like, it's shocking. You're like, we, we did what? I mean, a lot of people, I don't know if it's just, because like t we weren't taught it. I know a couple of people have said in the chat room, they're like, they didn't know any, you know, a lot of this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of places that you're not taught about these things. No. One, because, you know, rah, rah, you know, go team, you know, it's like, you know, you don't, you don't talk about the bad things that have happened, but say, you know, and so you, when you actually find out about these things, you're like, wow, I can't, can't believe this occurred. No, but, it's, it's, yeah, go ahead. I'll, I'll, you know, Don, I was just going to follow up with what Craig said is when you were talking about the court historians, you know, they kind of smooth things over. You know, it yeah. sounds a little bit like Winston Smith's job speaking into the yes, absolutely. speak right. And you know, we're always kind of getting the sanitized version of history. 
right? or you know, biased in favor of, of course, the victor and right. demonized uh, the uh, opposition is demonized. And I, I, like, how much did like 1984 influence how you look at approaching history where you're actually looking at both sides of a lot of issues. So, so you're not, you're not a Winston Smith uh, junior. (laughs) Well, uh, 1984 is my favorite book of all time. Uh, it's I've read it, you know, no in front to cover, and uh, it's it's more important than ever now because uh, we're we're living it now. We're going beyond what I, I mentioned thought crime earlier. Thought crime from 1984, and that's what we're dealing with now: misinformation, hate speech, disinformation. These are all just different terms for thought crime. Basically, they don't like what you're saying. They don't like your thought process. They don't, they can't read your mind yet. Maybe coming. But uh, so you're basically being you're, you're being uh, it's a crime. It's, and they want to criminalize that. And that's a very dangerous concept. You're right. Winston Smith worked in the Ministry of Truth and his job. That's where the term memory hole comes from. His, tar- his job was to throw con- inconvenient facts down the memory hole. He would create unpersons. So the people who had done something, he would just he would just extinguish their uh, history. Any reference to them. And of course, the thing about this, it's very, again, very relevant now. And we're, we're demonizing Vladimir Putin and Russia. And, uh, you know, they were our, our ally in World War II against the uh, dirty, sneaky, rotten Japs and the Nazis, you know, when they were the demons. And then right after the war, they became the bad guys. And then on the left, they became the good guys during the Cold War because uh, a lot of them actually sympathized with them. And were, uh, as it turned out later, you know, people like Gus Hall, who was the president of the American Communist Party for decades. Uh, when the when the KGB files were released to the absolute silence of the media, uh, it, it was determined that Gus Hall had been paid millions of dollars by the Soviets over the decades. Absolute silence from the media. And uh, so, the, but these, so these are the things that happen in history. They're inconvenient facts, and uh, mm-hmm. you're, you know, but we if we don't know the history, that's why we don't understand what's going on presently because. We're unaware of, of these awful things happening, but we, so if we, if, let's say they, they're successful, if they want to go the, the World War III route, if they do, if they demonize Putin enough that we do this, and those of us who know history understand that this goes back to 1898, and, you know, the, remember the main, the, fall, the first modern false flag when they blame the Spanish for sinking the USS Maine. The boiler and explosion, even, yep. Right, right, and the court historians will admit now that, no, the Spanish didn't do it. But that's how they got us in the war, and that's that broke that. We I'm, I'm talk all the time about us crossing lines in the sand. That was a huge line we crossed because we went outside the states, we got involved in a war we had no business being involved with. And of course, it was a, that was the first step. Next logical step was for us to get involved in a world war, in a European war. We had no. So we had, what stake did we have in the war between Germany and England and France? And we, we had nothing to do with that at all because our Archbishop Duke Ferdinand was assassinated. I mean, the court historians can't even come up with a even a halfway logical excuse why World War One happened. It's just millions of people were killed. It was a bloodletting. 
It was, uh, you know, a, a eugenicists were delighted, I guess, because they called the population. But again, people fell for the sinking of the Louisitania. Same kind of thing as the Maine. Blamed it on the Germans after the war. Eventually, the court historian said, yeah, it's true. The Germans didn't do it. Doesn't matter. And then you flash forward to Pearl Harbor. Huge false flag. FDR, you know, might as well have been flying one of the planes himself. You know, he, he, he wanted it to happen. And uh, the, the documentation is everywhere. But you say that and they'll cancel you. Dare you say, because FDR is beloved by the court historians. Again, all those guys of 3,000 people, whatever it was, died at Pearl Harbor or died because so Roosevelt could get us into the war. It was a horrible war crime if there's such a thing as a war crime, but people fell for it. Remember Pearl Harbor and all, all opposition to the war, and you had a lot of opposition. That's where the term America First comes from, the America First rallies. That's why they, they really hated that, you know, <laughs> that slogan because mm-hmm. it was an anti-war slogan. And uh, after, after Pearl Harbor, opposition to the war in America, they didn't have to lock up too many people. They encouraged the Japanese and Germans and the Italians in, in internment camps, but they didn't have to throw anybody in prison because they didn't allow any dissent at all. And uh, since then, you can see the weapons of mass destruction, Gulf of Tonkin, weapons of mass destruction. Take your pick. And now, you know, they tried it with this Ukraine thing where they came up with so many lies. Well, Putin struck a kindergarten. Uh, Putin hit a a maternity hospital. I mean, there's every absurd lie they could think of. And they had to retract each time because people now have the ability on the internet to point out, well, no, this, this photo actually was taken 10 years ago, you know, <laughs> another part of the world. And uh, so their lies are, you know, exposed, but it, it doesn't matter because there's still enough people to believe the lie. So unfortunately, I don't, I don't have any confidence in Americans' ability to be through it because they've been falling for the same propaganda for, for, you know, well over a hundred years now. And Sharon, to, just to address what you're saying about the the real news channel, pretty much the best thing to do is like I, I've always just used the thing like how you find the center. You know, when you're I did that thing, you just you put from corner to corner and where it intersects. You know, that's your center point. Is to look through news and just find the commonalities. When you find something, and then you stick to that because when you can find where it overlaps. That's where you know the truth lies, and then you can go based off from there. Because I, it doesn't matter what side you're on. MSNBC is lying to you. Fox News is, you know, is lying to you. They both, have, they both have their set of spin. They're, they're going right. to lean towards the thing. There's going to be a kernel of truth in both of them. There's going to be the story that's had. So what you have to do is, like he just said, okay, this area that's being called the kindergarten, you know, or a maternity hospital. Okay, this was blown up. So find that and now dig in a little bit deeper and find out what is actually going on. And you, you're going to find that. I mean, I, I like some of the, I, I currently go to a lot of times is I watch, I, I'll check the Drudge, Drudge Report. I'll watch Sky News in the UK and I'll check the Huffington Post and I'll check, you know, New York Times and I'll check some of these. And I do these things and I find where stuff overlaps. And that's what I do. But not everybody has an hour and a half that they want to sit there and spend, you know, and right. see where everything crosses over and, you know, dig through this. And that's where the problem is. And that's where they know that they've got you is because everybody's a, is a two second click, you know, click headline. They just want to see hospital blown up, click. That's, you know, and that's what they go with. Right. No, that's, and that's, you know, it's, it's hard to find. I mean, I don't know any trusted source really. Uh, I yeah. think David Knight's, I think David Knight's podcast is really good. I've been on there a few times and uh, he, I think he does a pretty good overview of the news. Uh, you know, my own shows, I, I try to, you know, cover the events, you know, and I don't, when I don't have a what the 
hour that I don't have a guest sometimes I talk about. I mean, it's just, you need to look at these things. That, but the problem is, what sources do we trust? And that's why anything that's happening in another country, when this thing with Putin came, I said, look, I, I don't care. I don't care if Putin is, is who you say he is or not. I really don't care if he's the next Hitler. It doesn't matter. Or if he's a, what some other people say, that he's really fighting the new world order. And he's, you know, he's arresting all the Rothschilds and he's banning GMO foods and stuff. You know, that's, if that's, then of course that would be good, but we don't know because these sources you can't, and I, I don't know about, I'm talking about foreign boogeymen going back to, you know, mm-hmm. The, the dreaded Hun and Kaiser in World War One, and certainly Hitler in World War Two, and uh, through you know through Castro and Osama bin Laden and uh, Saddam Hussein, we these are all foreign boogeymen. We I don't know how we can know the truth about any of them because the people that are telling us they're so bad are people that are demonstrably proven to have you know just destroyed our lives in many ways economically and so forth. So these are horrible people. You're going to trust our intelligence agencies. You're going to trust our media. That is still telling you Oswald killed JFK and 19 crazed Arabs did 9-11 with box cutters and plastic knives. I mean, that's why would you trust them about anything? They have no credibility. So if they're telling me Vladimir Putin is bad, just like they told, you know, somebody like a Qaddafi. You talk to the other side, and Qaddafi was a uh, you know, a beloved populist who apparently did a lot of great things for his people. I, I don't know if that's true, but that's what one side says. And, you know, so we, we, we don't know. Saddam Hussein worked for the CIA before they, they suddenly made him. They, it was like, a, you know, a lot of this is like WWE. Yeah, so Osama bin Laden, he was the CIA yeah, operative exactly, in, yeah, in yeah. Afghanistan, you know, prior to. Right. right. I mean, one, one, of these, one of these days we'll, we'll get the cojones to do a 9-11 episode. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm going back into it again in Industry 3, but it, it's, it's, you know, it's. Yeah. Uh, it's. it's when you sell these lies, when you sell so many lies again, they add up. And I don't know how Americans, but the problem is they let one lie go, they let another lie go, and they they just have the ability to keep forgetting how often they've been lied to. America's really like, I, it's the worst Stockholm syndrome I've ever seen. And we're all mm-hmm. like a, a, co- a collective battered spouse, you know, where no matter how many times we've been beaten up and, you know, how many times he breaks our heart, and we still believe in him. And we think, well, this time is going to be different. You know, he's going to come home. He's not going to do this again. This is what this is what Americans that are not that are asleep still. This is what they're believing. Somehow, like this this war because Sean Penn is and all these celebrities talking about this war is going to be a good one. So you know, they're not lying to us about this. And this guy really must be stopped. Even if you look around, okay, why why don't why how come our leaders don't need to be stopped? You know, we have the worst disparity of wealth the world has ever seen. You know, the bottom half of Americans less, the bottom 50% have less than 1% of the collective wealth. Half this country has nothing and it's getting worse. And so what, how are we rectifying this? Our illustrious leaders are bringing more in the, of the even poorer people in the country. Bring them in. They have nothing. So let's add to that bottom. And the, the, it's obviously a situation that's going to blow up at some point. They don't care. We, we are the world's wealthiest banana republic now. So we, we have, call it what it is, man. We have an infrastructure that hasn't been touched for 60 years. It's embarrassing. Our power grids are a joke. Our, uh, you know, our, our roads, God, I'm Cynthia McKinney, one of my friends, you know, former member of Congress, my favorite politician. They, you know, they banned, you know, they drummed her out of Congress. And uh, I think they thought she was going to be like all the other members of the Black Caucus. And uh, it was different. They fo- she, she fooled them and they got rid of her quickly. But she, a couple of years ago, she told me she was driving across France and she said, you know, 
I drove across, I took a trip all across France and I didn't see a single pothole. That's a first world infrastructure. You can't drive a block here in America anywhere without seeing a pothole. (laughs) That's, that's, we have a banana Republic, a third world joke of a country. And that was the attraction of Trump. Trump was the first one that was talking about what a joke we were. Everyone said, yeah, right on. That's true. And of course he did nothing about it, but he talked about it. And yeah, that's the problem. You know, it's, 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 uh, is that how it always is? They all talk about it, and it's like nothing yeah. changes. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. They all, they all, and you know, they make promises and stuff. But I mean, so you know, that's where we stand, right? I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a, as much a critic of uh, modern America as I am about history. But it's all, it's we're at this point. We didn't get this way accidentally. We didn't reach this stage accidentally. We reached it because of a series of disastrous actions over the decades, over the centuries even, the wrong people always wanted, you know, one, one of my favorite views, and I know we're probably going to get off here soon, but uh, one of my favorite views, uh, things ever said was, was uh, James Forrestal, who was the first modern Secretary of Defense under Harry Truman. He was pushed out of a window at Bethesda Naval Hospital, uh, first critic of Israel. Uh, he claimed he jumped, obviously, but he was a good friend with Joe McCarthy, who I feel has been unfairly maligned and misrepresented in history. He told McCarthy at one point, he said, uh, McCarthy, you know, if, if this wasn't a giant conspiracy, once in a while, they'd make a mistake in our favor. And I say that all the time is that, you know, if this, if this, was, if this was a random process, if politics was a random process, society was a random process, if the cream really did rise to the top, if good people had a chance, then we see some evidence that good people exist in public positions. Let's mm-hmm. see that. They're all corrupt. What happened? When and it, they, you scratch the surface, they all are engaged in at least petty corruption, if not worse. There's no oh, yeah. good people. They never, and that cannot happen in a random situation. That's done on purpose. It's done because they only promote the worst people, the people that are blackmailable, and they know if they do get out of line, they can expose the fact that they have sex with kids or whatever. Which apparently, a lot of them do. They're in positions of power, but. That's the thing is that that's why I believe when people say to me, you know, you think everything's a conspiracy. I said, well, yes, I do. Because we're being, we're run by conspirators. They, they know other, they don't know any other way. This is standard operating procedure for them. This is a way of doing business. They conspire against the interests of the public. So I don't back down from it. And uh, there's nothing random about this. It's uh, organized corruption. I mean, it's, it's easy math. You know, you make 175,000 a year as a Congress, you know, you're there. You know, so when you when you start doing the math, how is it that somebody that's been there less than four years suddenly becomes a millionaire? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, well, I said, you know, you can't. You you're like, well, we they earned it. Uh, no, you didn't. I go, simple math. I go, if I add up one seventy five times four, that doesn't equal over a million dollars that you've got in your you're now in your coffers. I go, well, you're clearly doing something wrong. And you could just look at. Some of the most popular books right now, Red Handed, Laptop from Hell. Mm-hmm. It's all about the money going into politicians. Yep. Sure. And that's why, you know, I've, I've, you know, I talked about disparity of wealth for a long time. I said the greatest problem facing America is the disparity of wealth. And it is very important. But I think the, it's been superseded now. The corruption is so intense at all levels of our society. You know, the, the pandemic, the, the unconstitutional lockdown brought it all out in the open. We didn't know, nobody knew who Lori Lightfoot and Gretchen Whitmer and 
Rachel Levine, all these these horrible people, these monsters. These are these really they're cartoon like they're like Riddler and and Joker. I mean, they're like cartoonish supervillains, and they look like supervillains, but nobody knew who they were before. But they've been brought out into the light like roaches. They've been forced out into the light, and we think, God, it's this bad at every level. It's not just Congress. It's not just the president. At every level, the merits. These are horrible people, and so I think that's the problem. Is that systemic corruption at all levels of society and the fact that no one is ever brought to justice for it they're you know they're they're talking about um, you know they're they're finally you know admitting that basically that uh, you know Trump was spied on and all that kind of stuff and again I'm no fan of Trump but it's documented I've written many articles I write for the American free press too America's last great uh, free newspaper. But uh, I've written many articles going back a couple of years about how, you know, we know from the CIA memo from John Brennan that talked about uh, Hillary Clinton. This is Hillary Clinton's idea. She has an idea that uh, we're going to try to blame Russia and uh, claim that uh, they colluded with Trump. I mean, it's documented. The idea that she can't be prosecuted, but Roger Stone could for not remembering some emails and he had to have a SWAT team attack his house and they're this is an absurd uh, system we have. And the fact that people like Hillary Clinton and so many others in the, in the public eye, her husband, for instance, so many of these, these, these gang leaders, these are, these are like mob families. That's the level of criminality they have. They have a lifetime mm -hmm. of killing people. And the fact that they're walking free and celebrated and you so, can't yeah. get them for a traffic ticket. That's, that's the biggest problem is that, America, you have so many people, you're the biggest prison population in the world, and probably at least half of them are innocent. You know, as DNA evidence proves all the time. So you have all these people incarcerated for crimes they didn't commit. And uh, you have leaders who are guilty of some of the worst crimes imaginable. You can't convict them on anything. You just can't do it. And yeah. it's, it's, that's the problem is that they're above justice. We can't have any kind of justice when you have, uh, you know, the, all our leaders are, are above the law. Well, the prime example, prime example is like, yeah. Do you think it's all like a domino effect? I got something on you, so I can't prosecute you because you'll tell what you got on me. Or over here, I got some on this person. So if this person yeah. prosecutes you, do you think it's all a domino effect of something? All yeah, well, I yeah, I think they're probably scared. Maybe they'll name names or talk. But, you know, it's also, you know, it could be, you know, back when the Freemasons had a lot more power. You know, they had little secret secret signs that they would give each other that they would know, okay, that's a brother, so we can't, you know, that's a that's a that's a, one of the masons, so we can't prosecute him. It's documented. They know from you know, from a police officer stopping somebody, they give them a sonic handshake or whatever. Okay, you can go. Same thing if you show up in court and the judge is a Freemason. So I think something like that probably goes on. That they have maybe they have occult symbols or something where they stick the, you know, finger. I mean, you think they're yeah. doing that for, for innocent reasons? Who poses like this? And the kind yeah, of you're I mean, over there on the, you're right. over there on the defendant's table. Yes, so yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, yeah. no, you're, <laughs> you're posing again. So if you don't think there's a power behind this, a negative dark force, I mean, well, why are they doing it? Yeah. Well, we're gonna take a short recess. We'll be back mm -hmm. tomorrow. Oh. You're like sitting there like this, and they're like, oh, oh, you're good, you're good. He's innocent. He's innocent. Yeah. No, but no. Exactly. you said yeah. something earlier that went so far. We went so far, so fast. So basically, you're right. They suspended. I didn't think of it that way. They suspended the Corbett Christie on these people from the so-called insurrection. They haven't. 
gave him a trial. They haven't gave him a court no. date. They haven't said, well, what are you here for? Why are you locked up? But no. they, they could suspend that at any time, I see, I guess. Well, they didn't officially suspend it. They, they don't even have to anymore. They just literally aren't. They aren't uh, going by constitutional law. They might as well have. And again, nobody, as I say, if you still had civil libertarians out there, you know, which you don't have anymore, except people like me, and I don't have any power. If you had, uh, you know, like my mentor, Mark Lane, who I worked for as a teenage volunteer, wrote for Russia Judgment, most famous uh, critic of the Warren Report. He was a civil libertarian. I kind of patterned my political beliefs after him. People like that were around today. They would be making noise. They'd be marching in protest. They'd be demanding justice to these people. But no one is talking about them, including Donald Trump, who is holding rallies and never talks about them and has raised, you know, I don't know how many millions of dollars and, and has never thought to send some of that money to them so they can hire good attorneys. Doesn't do it. So uh, I feel awful for these people because they're being, uh, there are political prisoners and nobody cares, but there isn't, that side of America doesn't exist anymore. Except, in, you know, for people like me that have the platform I have. I mean, people that listen to me, however many of the people that are, know about it. But uh, I, I, I don't have the platform that some of these other people do. I'm certainly not a member of Congress or anything. And that's where you need people there. And you've had a handful of GOP congressmen that tried to say something about it, but they're shouted down. There's not enough of them. Tucker Carlson on TV talks about them sometimes, but uh, nobody else. And it's, it's a disgrace. Because the fact that that can happen, I try to tell people, you know, if you let that happen to anybody, just like free speech, if you take away somebody else's free speech, it can happen to you. And if yep. you allow somebody, if you allow anybody to be kept in prison, like that, I said, I don't even care what they did. It doesn't matter. It, it, and, and I don't think they did anything, but it, it doesn't matter that I think that. Even if I thought they were as guilty as it, you can't have a situation like that if you're, if you're under constitutional law. They have violated their rights repeatedly. They've raped them. But, but, you know, they're, 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 uh, they're uh, you know, uh, due process, rights of due process are completely shattered there. You're, you're in prison for every year. You haven't gone to trial yet for misdemeanor. I mean, this is insanity, but nobody cares because they're associated with Trump and the people that hate Trump, I think, want these people executed. And uh, they don't care about rights. And again, that's the left today. The woke left doesn't care about the speech or any other rights of the people that they oppose. And that's the situation we're in. There are no civil libertarians. Yeah, Don, do you think anyone has a lower ESG score than you? <laughs> is that social? What, what now? What's that? What is that? ESG? Social, is that social, social score? Uh, social and, social environmental, <laughs> social, and governance score. Uh, pro I don't know. I, I, I would, uh, I'd be proud of my low score. Yeah, I, I'm sure I'm, I'm sure it's about as low as, it. and again, people should, that's something that, that's not a conspiracy theory. You have somebody like Elizabeth Warren who wants to, uh, you know, is, wants to centralize digital currency. That's the first step to getting a, a Chinese uh, style social credit score because, uh, you know, I'm sure Charlie Robinson's up there too. He's, he's probably got oh, a really low Char score as well. Char yeah. Char 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 Charlie Robinson's my friend. Yeah. We've been we, we yep. on each other's shows. And uh, yeah, yeah, because if you, you know, do you really want a situation where you go to the bank? Somebody told me, oh, you're crazy. That would never happen. When I said, you know, go to the bank and you're sorry, this transaction is rejected because uh, you had some issues with your tweets. You know, something like go correct that. I mean, that's 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 what a social credit score would do. It would literally deny you your own money. And uh, so we should fight that with everything we have. But again, people, it don't make 
Yeah, we saw that with the uh, Canadian truckers. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah cancel their bank yeah, accounts. Yeah, yeah, they they couldn't get gas to fill up their tanks and right you know, be, because they were there, turn off their yeah. savings and, accounts. And very very few people protested. Unfortunately, I I, I got I'm gonna have to run in a few minutes here. I no, no, we, we got to wrap it. Up. Yeah, we got to wrap it up yeah. anyway here. Yeah. I'm enjoying yeah. a conversation, but I got to, I got to do something here. <laughs> yeah. So just everybody go to, like I said, we've got, um, you know, that I've been having this, have it scrolling up there, but it's basically that, um, what I've, what I had was donaldjeffries.wordpress.com is how I got to your site, you know, from. Oh, that, you know, that's my blog. That's my blog. And blog, uh, yeah. it's, it's Donald Jeffries at, uh, news is easier and Donald Jeffries at media is where you can go to Substack. I'm writing more. I wrote something today on Substack. I, People want to see. I, I write regularly there. I have a paid option there where some people uh, <coughs> are willing to to support me that way. But I every I offer everything for free. So I mean, you can you can get it all for free as well too. And uh, I write regularly there, and uh, I do have my two shows. And uh, you search mm -hmm. for me, you'll you probably find out more than you want to know. And then, then uh, obviously Amazon, the god of book selling, is you know <laughs> yeah. You, yeah you can go. And they've got crimes. Cover-ups in in American politics. Um, this is the one we kind of talked about here. We also talked about hidden history. You know, well, and next. we'll have to have Dawn come back for bullyocracy too. Absolutely, I'd, I'd be happy to come with you guys. I'm sorry, this was just kind of a busy day. But and crimes and cover-ups, I want to mention again that has a forward by Ron Paul, which I'm very very proud of. You know, he's a big hero of mine, and he consented to write that, so that was pretty cool. Very nice. conspiratorial and controversial book, so he put his name on it. So, oh yeah, that's off to him. He's willing to be associated with someone like me. How can I not love him? Oh, oh yeah, no, definitely. So, no, but you know, oh, Don, man, I just I want to thank you so much for coming on. Appreciate hey, it. Hey, my, you my run, pleasure. So. At any time, guys. And I mean, usually okay. I'm not quite this busy, so uh, anytime. Appreciate it. All right, we'll pre we'll take have a great night. Like I said, we'll we'll definitely we'll reach out, and like I said we'll see about doing a show later on down the road. Okay, thank you. Take care, guys. Awesome. Yeah, you too. Thank you. And we're like I said, we're going to shout out to Laura Layman Porter, our first Patreon. She 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 decided to you know there. So we thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> I can't. I can Yeah, I said that's that's. You know, I was just blown away when I, you know, saw it. So, and I'm a plug. We're going to also be on uh, Sunday, May 1st, um, 5 o'clock um, Eastern time, 4 o'clock Central time. Um, we're going to go live on TikTok and we're actually going to be with her as well. You know, it's kind of just doing um, just, just Q&A, just, you know, picking each other's brains. So, but you know, I just want to thank, you know, thank you again, you know, because that, that support really helps us. I mean, that's going to be what it takes, you know, we'll be able to make make new content like that little thing we have there with the cows or the beards being abducted, you know, just that kind of supports what helps us make that type of stuff. So, but Mark, um, what do you got going on with you on your end that you need to plug? Um, the 12 minute show from last night. Hopefully, will be a full hour and twenty minutes, or a uh, hundred and twenty minutes uh, Sunday night, um, nine to eleven p.m. Eastern on forwarddelong.com. 
and that will be looking at um, one of the books. We'll, we'll be looking at um, the history of National Road and how the road helped uh, people to move west beyond the Allegheny Mountains. Pretty neat topic, and you know we have some other the uh, uh, Pan American Expo and. Uh, Ohio River flooding. That will be the the next show this Sunday night. Had to reschedule. And Emma Allen, I don't know if it is like close contact, but you know, it's like exposure. Maybe that's what will help. You know, the, if he keeps getting exposed, like radiation, eventually the beard will show up. If he keeps getting these doses, you know, maybe we'll we'll see. I, I always I always forgot too. It's like on TikTok and other <laughs> things. Follow Laura at and this is I, I love it. But ask Castile, you know it's Butt-ass a yeah it's, <laughs> it's a fun, it's, so you know that's her that's her tag. So follow her at TikTok. Um, I believe uh, on yeah, I think Instagram and stuff too. too. But you can follow follow her there. She's she's actually a really talented artist. She was the one that drew that picture for the. Uh, for when we did for the, for the Fresno Nightcrawlers. And speaking of that, before we do, my sister sewed this for me. So everybody that's watching this, check this thing out. This is the Fresno Nightcrawler. So you can oh. just picture this from the video, just walking across the screen. The so she actually she actually sewed this for me. And so I actually have a Fresno Nightcrawler that I can put up, you know, put up on there. So this is the, you know, so this is pretty cool. So that's, the yeah, so that's what... Sent- the picture you sent me did me no justice. I thought it was a neck pillow. He said, yeah, yeah. neck pillow for an infant. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was a neck, Fresno Nightcrawler pillow. Yeah. And I'm like. Yeah, so that's, uh, you yeah, know, so yeah, definitely. So, but yeah, je- you know, and so, I mean, if anybody's interested, I, I can get you in touch with her. You know, if you guys want your own Fresno Nightcrawler, let me know. But yeah, this th- thing's amazing. So I've got it. There. Other side. So it's, uh, but yeah, you know, everybody, thank you again for the show. Mark Eddie, appreciate it. Um, you know, it's yeah, you know, we this is this is a lot of fun. I mean, we're like I said, we're gonna talk. We it got, really is. Yeah, so we you know, we were enjoy we enjoy these topics, you know, it's just every now and then we, d- we just gotta skirt the thing. And it's like unfortunately, because we gotta watch for the, the overlords to keep from busting us and you know, shutting it down. But yeah, so check us out. You know, if you want if you want this gratuitous plug in, you know, groveling and butt kissing like we've been d- doing, you know, you can become a patron on your, yourself as well. You know, so thanks again to Laura, you know, for doing that. You know, just everybody, just for what tuning in. Go to if you haven't yet, please go to YouTube and subscribe there. You know, help like, us get to a thousand subscribers. Yeah, just like share. You know, share these things. All, we're on. TikTok, we are on Twitter, we are on Instagram, uh, we're on the major ones. Um, no, no Snapchat yet. I, I can't bring myself to. There's just too much, too much, too much. I can't keep uh, up enough on the ones we got. So thanks for watching, everybody. Um, go to threebeardspodcast.com. Um, go to the merchandise, or you can go to redbubble.com forward slash threebeardspodcast to buy merchandise that we have listed there. Um, we are brought rebroadcast every Wednesday on ERRT radio around 11 p.m. ish. Once uh, once into the outer realms is done. Speaking of into the outer realms, go to outer realms bathworks. 
and you can even purchase a signature beard oil that Tanya Medea makes. And a portion of that comes to supports us that way too. So you can, you can keep the beard in check and, you know, and support us as well. So everybody, thanks for watching. We will see you next week. And we, in one of these times, just, you never know, Mark Eddy will pop in and say hi. Good night.